Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the sex rap. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to The Sex Trap. You're here with Spring and Andrew, and we are here to answer all of your questions about sex, relationships, and anything in between. How are you today, Andrew? I'm having a magnificent day. Um, We're recording on Monday, and most people don't like Mondays, but I have... most of my days are good days, though. I'm one of those like annoyingly upbeat, positive people with too much energy. He's like, I Can defeated confirm. a Monday. <laughs> yeah, like Spring is looking down and putting her hand on her forehead. She's like, Oh my goodness, how is this? <laughs> I um, I'm very emotional, and um, things happen around me and I get upset and yeah, I'm pretty upset today, but I'm so glad that you are your usual so happy self. <laughs> how I feel. So everyone, um, I know you don't, our recording process takes a long time, but today Spring had to run in the rain outside in the city and get mucked up. But it's important (laughs) because we wanted to answer this question that came in. So... (laughs) This is, this is what I put myself through for you. (laughs) I mean, I'm just sitting in my lovely office with palm trees and the sun coming in. So the wait was nice. So... Internet and computer issues um, love to uh, rear their heads when we want to record our podcast. <laughs> no other times, only when we want to record. <laughs> yep. All okay. right. So, what, so what, what question are we answering today? Well, the question we have for today, I think we are the perfect people to answer this question, actually, for one specific reason. So this question is about um, relationships, and this can be platonic or romantic relationships, and that's kind of how we'll talk about it. But the question that came in says, why don't any of my friendships last? This is my second year of college, and I feel like I have to start all over, as none of my relationships lasted from last year to this year. Is it always like this? And... Andrew and I have been very good friends for, we don't like to say how many years, but a lot of years (laughs) since we were in grad school together. And so I'm super happy for us to be able to answer this question. And I'd love to um, talk about some of the things in our relationship to help uh, get us through this conversation also. I mean, we have a gold mine of both positive and <laughs> some sketch in the middle. Um, as long as we talk about both of our bad traits and how we overcome them, I think it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I think this question is super important. Um, friendships are really hard. People don't realize it uh, that, you know, friendships are an actual relationship that aren't that much different than our romantic relationships and intimate relationships. They're a little bit different than family-based relationships. And I think a lot of people sort of try to model their friendships and relationships off of family when you're kind of stuck with somebody, Um, regardless of what happens or how much any energy someone's putting into that relationship with our families, like you're in it. Like there's no escaping it. There's no like you're with that those people. I mean, you can't escape it, and you should if you're in a toxic, abusive place. But most of us are like, oh, all right, this is my family. They're around. I see them. Um, but friendships don't work that way. And when I read the question, that's sort of what I'm getting. This person has the expectation of, you know, like, okay, we're friends, so now we're good. 
instead of, okay, we're friends. And now there's a lot of other stuff that I have to do to make sure that we're still friends or else that friend becomes an acquaintance, becomes somebody you see and wave hi to in public and then becomes the person you see in public and you sort of like look away because you don't want to engage with them. Not because you don't like that person, but because you've sort of separated from them, like the work to build and hold that relationship together stopped happening. So um, I think we should just talk about today, like uh, why don't we talk about how to have a strong, healthy relationship and and what that actually looks like in practice. And like Spring said, it, this is for platonic and non-platonic, from romantic and just just friendship, like all of the friends. So Yeah, I mean, it's all of these things that we're talking about support any type of human to human relationship. And I think that one of the things we see is a lot of people put a lot of effort into their romantic relationships. That doesn't mean that they necessarily have all the skills they need or know all of the skills they need to be building to help keep that relationship surviving and thriving over time. But people do put a lot of effort into those because our society has kind of said these relationships matter more than your friendships, which is probably the opposite in a lot of ways of what we should be thinking. And um, I think that, you know, we haven't been taught to invest as much energy into our friendships to really keep the relationship thriving. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we do that in all of our relationships? And all of these things that we're going to be recommending and talking about are kind of like blanket across any type of um, human that you want to have in your life for longer than a few months. Longer than that first semester. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, I think the, the most important thing to do, like just to start out is like the importance of actual communication inside of relationships and what that communication should look like. And all of the things that Spring and I are going to talk about today, there's a ton of overlap between them. So these are just really like sort of like rough categories to think about. Um, but communication with your friends looks different. Um, communication with people you're in relationships with looks different than communication outside of that. Um, and, by that and by that, I mean, like, there's lots of different kinds of communication happening, and you have to do it better. And by better, I mean, active listening. So active listening is a skill, you have to practice it, humans are bad at it. Um, normally, in our lives, if we're in a conversation with people, we're, we're thinking of what to say next, or how to respond to them, or how to fight back, or like our head is going a million miles a minute, like trying to get to the next part of the conversation. But with your friends, you need to sort of turn that off and practice. It's called active listening. And it's when you don't try to think of an answer right away, that you give all of your attention to this other person, that you really think about the words that they say. And then if you need a pause afterwards, like you can say like, hey, let me think about that for a second. Um, and then you come up with a response. So it's about being really fully present. Um, and along with that, I'm going to say um, cell phones and texting while you're with somebody in a relationship, friendship or otherwise can be really toxic because then it, your attention is divided. Like, of course, you're going to text people when your friends are around. But when you're engaged in communication with them, you want to put the cell phone to the side. You want to put it down. You want to put it in your pocket. If you're at a meal, you want to make sure that cell phone is in your like purse or not sitting face up on the table because every time that you're distracted by it or paying attention to someone other than your friend that you're talking to, the person you're in a relationship with, it sort of diminishes all aspects of that communication. So working really hard to focus your energy and effort on listening to that other person. So active communication is really important. Um, 
And, and the second part, oh yeah, go ahead, sorry. Another part of active listening is practicing that reflecting back things that you're hearing from the other person. So, you know, if they're upset about something and they're like going on and on about all the things they're upset about and you're listening, then you want to like reflect back and kind of summarize, like, it seems like you're really upset because this and this and this happened. Like, do I have that right? Just like to that does a couple of things that like make sure that like you are understanding what they're saying. And then it also gives them that chance to like correct that and clarify and explain more. But it also really shows them that you're listening. And it's that opportunity to like really feel heard that increases the emotional bond that you're creating with someone. And so there's a lot of skills around active listening you can practice and you can Google it and look up and we can put a link in our show notes too about um, an exercise sheet about how to do some of these things in your life. And, and I just want to say everything that we're talking about today, I think we could have like a whole podcast episode on each of these aspects, but we're kind of like overviewing like a variety of skills and things that you can work on to really um, help develop your relationships and keep them going long-term. But yeah, this is like, this is a huge thing. I mean, just right here, like we could, we could stay with us for the whole episode, but <laughs> let's keep going. Yeah. There's other kinds of communication that happen that aren't words. So when you're talking with your friends, especially, you know, if there's some intense emotions, positive or negative, there's nonverbals that go with it. So make sure that you're supportive uh, with nonverbals, making eye contact, um, depending on what your relationship looks like, you can hold hands or hug or like, you know, like with with consent inside of those boundaries, but be really thoughtful about those nonverbals. Um, Cause nonverbal communication, especially if you're doing what Spring just suggested that reflecting back, asking questions, like you wanna be making sure that you're in the same emotional space as that other person. Um, and I also just want to talk for a sec about what to talk about inside of the inside of your friendships and relationships. Um, our world is often set up in a way where we talk about really topical issues all the time. Things that, you know, are temporarily something of import, like the score of a sports ball game or a thing that was on the television or like, you know, small momentary things. And while those are great starting points for relationships, the kind of communication that you're going to want to foster in a relationship for a relationship that's going to last, you know, longer than a semester over a whole lifespan. So you want to talk about ideas, talk about topic or talk about like big issues. Like one of my favorite things to do with my friends is uh, to talk about like, what would your perfect day look like? And then you just sort of explore like if in the perfect world what would happen in their day and then i take the things that they say would make their day perfect and i do them later so it's like a two-prong attack um mm -hmm. and then you can talk about what a perfect day would be like together and this is just one example there's thousands of other examples but talk about ideas that matter in in your life in your relationship um and try to get beyond that real topical level if you want to have a lasting relationship with another person, because you can talk about a football game with anybody, right? It's just a normal conversation, but you don't talk about hopes and dreams and fears and philosophies and what drives you in life and like all of that. You don't have that kind of conversation. So, and I'm not saying the very first day you you meet someone, get deep, but like, you know, <laughs> Move from light conversations to medium conversations to meaningful conversations on the end. And they don't all have to be dark and heavy, um, but they should be something where you start building real connections with that other person. And another way to just do that in an everyday conversation, you know, is like when you ask someone, like, how's your day? Then just like 
ask some follow-up questions. I think like that's one of the easiest ways to like get into what's really happening for someone. Like we often are like, Oh, how was your day? And then we just like, don't even listen to the answer or expect them to give like a one word answer. But like, if you actually like attune, you know, to the person, like kind of connect with them, look them in the eye and then listen and then ask a follow-up question or two, like just about that. Like you can really just start to get into more meaningful connections and conversations um, really quickly. It's not, it's not that hard to do. (laughs) Right. It's just getting to how someone really feels and having that conversation. Um, I only have one more point for communication. I mean, I I have many, but I have one more I want to make today. Um, And that's, uh, when you when you have friends and when you're in relationships, it is sometimes tempting to use them as your emotional dump. Um, like bad days happen, bad things happen, and like obviously you you should talk to the person about bad things that happen in your day, bad things that happen in your life. You know, emotional issues that you're up, like why you're upset. Um, but that can't be all you do with any relationship in your life. The focus of most communication should be something that's hopefully positive, uh, something that's really fun and something that's uplifting of both of you. So I'm not saying never talk about sad days or talk about bad things, but just do a little bit of monitoring and self-reflection where if you're constantly talking about negative things and bad things, people overall aren't going to want to hang out with you. And it can be really destructive to forming emotional bonds with other people inside of relationships. So just, just be like, oh, I mean, am I, am I only ever saying bad, negative things? Um, it's actually one of the reasons I, I got off of most social media in my personal life, because I was using it as this big emotional dump. And I realized, you know, all the people who followed me were like, oh, geez, Andrew, what's wrong with you? You're so positive <laughs> and happy in real life. But then on social media, I was just a morass of like, oh, these terrible things are happening in the world and I need a place to vent. Um, oh, my God. I forgot about that because you haven't been on social media in a while. I forgot you did used to say rant about things on the internet a lot. <laughs> yep. I mean, they, they were they were well written. There, yeah, there was yeah. like no swearing, but it was like paragraphs and paragraphs critiquing the world. Um, so, hey, listeners, if you're interested, you can send us a DM and uh, maybe I'll send you some of my old rants about <laughs> the world. Um, this is going to be... Okay. So Andrew likes to, um, invent prizes for a contest and like volunteer my skills for them. He'll be like, Oh, spring will write you some mantras. And I'm like, what? So yeah, if, yeah, please offer your own skills here. Andrew will write you some rants or find some old rants for you. <laughs> I have so many rants. Um, and speaking of rants, we need to go to commercial. Um, so thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Sex Wrap, everybody. Today, we're talking about how to make lasting relationships. And we've been talking about the way that we communicate with other people. Um, but I think there's another level that we have to hit. Um, and for me, this is the trust and emotional intimacy level, right? So you can't have those deeper conversations we were talking about if you don't sort of do these other things. But you need to communicate to get Trust and intimacy, right? So friendship is a process. Relationships are a process. And you slowly build up, but you have to build both trust and emotional intimacy to make that communication last and turn it into that lasting friendship. And I think these are a lot harder for many people to do, to trust others, to build trust, and to build emotional intimacy. Um, 
uh, I, I mean, so for when, I, when I'm looking at them, like trust, how do you build trust in a relationship? Um, and for me, like for me, trust is about reliability, um, to be really consistent in your actions and words. If you're going to, if you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And you have to make sure that those two things align inside of that relationship. And that comes with being very transparent. And that's a word that comes up a lot. And people will say, well, be authentic, be transparent. But it's about openness, right? And it's about honesty with that other person and being willing to answer questions and share parts of yourself. Um, It's really like that idea of vulnerability, that building trust. And it's tough sometimes because you have to let your barriers down to get someone else to let their barriers down. And and this is all part of like authenticity is what we call this. Like when you're really able to be your full self around people. And so, you know, you offer your authentic self and then they can offer that back. And it's all about creating this like space where you can both do that. So it takes both people being willing to engage in that vulnerability and being willing to open up to each other. And so, you know, you're doing this like slowly by like, you know, continuing to um, build these skills around opening up, asking more questions and getting deeper with your questions. But it might be that the other person isn't interested in this, right? Um, It's not always going to be the case that everyone that you meet and you think, oh, this will be, this person seems like a good match as a friend for me or as a good match for a romantic partner for me. And then you start to engage in this process and start to go a little bit deeper and you might find that the other person doesn't have the time or space for that or just is not ready for deeper relationships or um, is kind of too overwhelmed with other things in their lives. So at this stage, you know, where you're really trying to um, be authentic with someone and then you're, you're offering the space so that they can do that back. If they're not able to do that, you know, that's okay. And, um, then, you know, that can be a sign that maybe this person stays more of like an acquaintance and, you know, you're investing your energy and other relationships to like build deeper friendships also. So it's like also kind of like keep your um, self aware of how much that other person is able and willing to give back and keep track of that kind of so that you're not just pouring lots of energy into um, a relationship that isn't going to be able to give that back to you. Yeah. And if you re- if we really look at it, like research shows that most people have three to five close friends. Um, so those are like those friends that last and endure. And most people can only maintain about 150 connections outside of that. Um, and after that 150, there's not really much of a connection. They might remember your name. They remember, might remember something small about you. Um, so there's a chance that, you know, the person that you're trying to build a stronger relationship with is already, like Spring said, out of emotional energy, not able to put into that relationship what you need. And that's okay as well. Um, you'll have to settle for being an acquaintance with that person and have a really good time as an acquaintance <laughs> and then focus and pour your energy into somebody who's actually who actually has like that emotional and cognitive space to build out that relationship. Um, some other things that we can talk about with trust. Um, I think support is really important uh, in all relationships. And for me, support is a way that you build trust. Um, and it's support 
in two different times, right? You need to be supportive of people when they don't necessarily need your support during happy times, during good times, during boring every single day times, be supportive of that person and what's going on in their life. Um, but then also uh, you need to be there during stressful times and hard times. Uh, so for me, like in my, in my relationships that I'm in, uh, I always try to be 100% there if somebody needs me, especially during stressful times and I ask questions and I'm attentive. But then I do random acts of support uh, for people in my life. And like they're not expensive or anything, but just like little times where I want someone to know that should anything ever happen, like they have bits of support. And I do it with like post-it notes and text messages and pictures and cards in the like lots of little reminders that, you know, you're not alone in it. There's someone else there. Um, and if you need me, that's fine. But hopefully you're just having a good day and this made it a little bit better. So like two different kinds of support. And, you know, if you're hanging out with someone and they tell you like, oh, my dad has to have surgery on Thursday, you know, I'm really feeling anxious about it or upset about it or whatever. I recommend like writing those things down, like or making a like reminder in your phone, you know, however, however you keep track of things in your life. I, I write a lot of things down in my planner. I know. Spring I know. uses a paper planner. Everybody. I know. I'm, I'm old. It's I know. Insane. Uh, <laughs> Um, I have friends in their thirties who still use paper planners also. So, <laughs> but I recommend like when someone says something like that to you, write it down, set a reminder somewhere so that then you can check in with them on that day, either that morning or in the afternoon, you know, be like, Hey, how are you doing today? I remember this was happening for you today. Or even just like, you know, you don't even have to say that. Just be like, how are you doing today? you know, and check in on that person. And that means so much to people like, and you don't have to remember things. That's, that's what I'm trying to get at because it is hard to keep track of all the things happening in your life and all the things happening in your friends and, and casual friends and acquaintances life. So make a note of it so that you can reach out to them so that you can check in with them so that they actually get some of that support. And most of the time, people aren't looking for like, come to the event with me, come to my house with me kind of support. It's just knowing, like knowing that they have a friend who's sitting out there supporting them in those times makes the entire situation for them so much smoother and easier. Um, and that's really how you build that long lasting relationship too. Um, and it can be, even be small things like I have a hard exam, I have like all of the different events that happen in our lives that cause stress, knowing that there's a little bit of support. Now, don't be the person who texts all of your friends every single morning about the bad things that are going on in their life that they need support for. Like, you know, save it and make it special for the person, especially when you think they're going to need that level of support. I love that idea, though. I'm going to start doing it more, writing down. Like, I'm pretty good at remembering things that are happening in people's life and offering support, but I'm going to start making um in my G calendar, my Google calendar, which is an electronic platform. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know you're older than me. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> me, me and my, my, my old Googles. Uh, part of uh, relationships are, are what are Spring and I are doing right now. Like we're kind of just like sparring back and forth and being funny and witty about our, our past and our insecurities. And, uh, um, but building emotional intimacy uh, really allows you to have these kind of fun conversations. You can't just do it at the beginning though. Uh, let's see. But emotional intimacy, we've talked a lot about building trust. Um, and something that I think is important for building trust and emotional intimacy is to keep track of all the good things that happen inside of your relationship. Our brains are really, really, really good at keeping track of bad things and make holding on to negative emotional memories. 
Um, so you have to work a little bit harder to keep your brain focused on all the good things. And you can write lists. I do a gratitude journal every day. I still do. I have a whole bunch of them where I just spend two or three minutes writing down all the good things that happened in a day. No bad things allowed in my gratitude journal. Um, and it keeps me focused on it. And uh, I always make sure I write three nice things that happened in my relationships that day, like my romantic relationship and my friend relationship. So just really keeping track of the good stuff, right? Because you'll notice in your relationships, tons of good stuff happens, something bad happens, and it can cause like this huge bump because our brain immediately loves to focus on the bad stuff. Um, so just, you know, as you're building trust and building emotional intimacy, like really focus and, and keep track of the good things that are happening inside of your relationship. And it makes intimacy so much easier too. And we're going to talk about those bumps in the road in a couple minutes too. Um, but to have real emotional intimacy with somebody else, it's about how you've established boundaries, right? And, and boundaries are a two-way street. Like both people have to talk about them. Both people have to share them. And then both people have to respect those boundaries. Um, and then staying out of judgment in terms of those boundaries and the stories and what you're sharing with that other person are really important in building emotional intimacy too. I mean, and so much empathy, right? Like we yeah. are in a society that, that doesn't prioritize empathy, but healthy relationships are deeply vested in empathy. And what's interesting is the emotional intimacy. I think um, some of these aspects we're talking about, like about respecting boundaries um, of each other and like really being clear about what some of those are. I think we're actually better at that in non-romantic relationships, right? Like in our oh, yeah, friendships, definitely. people, people are like, Oh yeah, my friend doesn't like that. I'm not going to do that. Or, you know, my friend uh, doesn't want to do this activity with me and that's fine. Um, but in our romantic relationships, we tend to get a little angrier about those things or feel like um, it's not fair if someone sets a boundary that we don't like. And so this is one of the places where I think um, it's really interesting that we can learn from what we're doing in our friendships and apply that to our romantic relationships a little better, right? So we can start to say like, okay, it doesn't bother me when my friend says I can't eat something off their plate. But when my romantic partner says it, like it feels like they're like, crashing down a whole relationship, right? Or, or something. And, um, and thinking about, you know, how can, how can we learn from the different styles of relationships, what we do well in one, and how can we apply that to the other style of relationship? Yeah, that's a really great tip too, right? Um, the expectations that we have are different sometimes for uh, romantic partners. And they shouldn't be when it comes to things like boundaries. Um, it's always a little weird to me when people eat off of my plate, but <laughs> you can eat anything you'd like off of mine. Um, uh, all right. Well, before we move off the topic, uh, there's just some other little things like practicing gratitude together, just being thankful for and with each other is really great for emotional and intimacy. Um, and then something that I try to do with my friends is to take mundane everyday things and make those just feel a little bit more special. Um, it sometimes it's just absurd little silly things, but it works. Um, I have in front of me a stack of post-it notes that are good luck bear, who is a cheer beer bear and I've been using them and it makes people smile and giggle. And it's just a stupid little post-it note. Everybody It's not important, but, um, just little teeny things. And, and I only use them for positives too. Anyway, um, Emotional intimacy is important. Uh, building trust is important. And then I think the next one is the one where uh, people really falter. Um, and that's time and energy. What does time and energy look like? Um, right. 
every single relationship that you are in, with the exception of some family relationships, right? Sometimes that you're just sort of like, that's fine. It's there. We're stuck with it. It happens. Um, requires you to take emotional, mental, like temporal, take, t- take time out of your whatever else you're doing and invest that time and energy into either building up or shoring up or refining and redefining what that relationship you're in with people. Um, But you have to consistently invest time. um, And part of that is showing up for moments that are important for that other person, time and energy. And it doesn't have to be every single day, but it needs to be like relatively consistent in how you use that time. And I think maybe talking about some expectations about this, you know, as you get closer with someone, you know, kind of checking in, like how, how often do they want to hang out? How often do they like interacting? Um, because everybody has different needs and preferences around that. So not just assuming that that should be same. You say you have like three really close friends. It doesn't need to be that you're spending the exact same amount of time or energy with all of those friends to maintain those relationships because we we all have different levels of needs and preferences around those things. So you do want to make sure that you are setting aside time and energy for those people, but also talking with them about what works for them. And I know that you can all probably think of people in your lives that you talk with very rarely, but you have very deep relationships with. And, you know, that relationship just doesn't need so much like ongoing maintenance. And then some of your relationships, you know, if you don't talk for a few weeks, like the relationship starts to like fall apart a little and it needs more consistency in that. And so while all relationships need time and energy. It's going to really vary around, you know, the different individuals in that specific relationship's needs and how they like to build these things over time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Whenever I talk about this, people always bring up that, well, I've had this friend since elementary school and I only have to talk to them once a year and we're just fine. And I'm like, and that's your only friend that's like that because you, like Spring said, you had such deep roots. You had all of those experiences during your developmental stages together. Like instead of talking about what's going on today, you can always tap into all of those years. New friendships, you don't have that. And new friendships don't have the advantage of shared experiences yet. But right, if you if you listen to our other tips, you're building out those shared experiences. Um, and that's something that you should do with your time and energy. What what are things that you can do together that you enjoy? Um, and they can be regular get togethers. Like, do you like to do this thing? Is there an event or a sport or uh, some kind of get together that we like? Um, it can be phone calls or, or voice calls or check-ins, can be texts, like whatever works for you and that other person. It is important to say that social media interactions and text interactions alone are typically less effective at voice and physical interactions with other people. Um, So like you want to have it be at least some level of interpersonal communication directly with that other person. Um, So like texts are fine, but not only text and online is fine, but not only online. And, you know, video chats are really great for helping really develop relationships, you know, like 
if you don't always have time to see someone face to face, you can definitely do video chats and video chats are really good because they approximate a lot of those things. You can see the person's face. You can really interact. You are much more present in a video call than even a regular voice call because some people are trying to like multitask and do other things, but in a video call, it's a lot more easy to really be present with someone. So, um, I mean, you can even do online. We have like a whole relationship episode about long distance relationships where we have a lot of recommendations about things you can do online together or on video calls together, you know? So there are, um, other ways to like, um, foster relationships when you can't see each other as regularly, but they do need to have a variety of types of interactions, not just only text or not just only meme sharing. Only meme sharing. (laughs) All right, let's see. Uh, I think it's important in this section in time and energy. One of the things that's most destructive to relationships, not like destructive, like a huge fight and we don't talk anymore, but destructive is in like it melted away to nothing is you'll have two people who really like each other who want to be friends, but neither of them take initiative in maintaining that uh, energy and maintaining check-ins. So in your relationships with people, as you're developing them and afterwards, Take initiative. Um, I actually have on my calendar time set aside every single week where I send mex or send text messages and emails and cards to people like this person. I want them to know that I love them um, and that that you know I want my relationship with that person to be strong. Um, so I set time aside. I know it sounds really corny, both me sending cards and messages and me putting an hour block on my calendar every week to make sure that I do the work. Um, because this is easy work to not do. Like, oh, I, I don't need to do it. I'll do it next week. Or, oh, yeah, like, I know I know she likes me. It's fine. Or, uh, like, all of the excuses we'll tell ourselves. Um, so just take initiative and, like, force yourself to do it. Write it down. Um, if you have a physical planner, write, give yourself it, an hour. It doesn't have to be a ton of time either. You'll realize that most relationships, especially once you've got it established, you know, you can keep it sort of buzzing along with small amounts of energy just to keep keep you close. And then when you see each other and you plan those bigger events, you get those big bursts of positive energy. Um, And (laughs) spend time apart. If you're in a romantic relationship with somebody, or if you're like in a dorm situation and you see people constantly, or if you're in the same major, if you're in the same high school classroom and you're constantly with that other person and you're seeing them, you know, all day during school, after school, evening events, like, relationships work best when you have some time away from the other person as well. Mm. So make sure that like give yourself time, give them some time, um, figure out how much time that, what that looks like between you, but, but make sure you spend some time apart. Yeah. All right. We do need to take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about rough spots and communication (laughs) during rough spots. Um, But thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Sex Wrap. You're here today listening to us answer a question that was submitted about making relationships last. And um, we've given a lot of tips about energy and we've given tips about intimacy. We've given tips about communication. Um, And now we're going to talk about rough spots whenever you get into a fight. Because no matter how healthy of relationship you have with a person, it is very likely that there will be conflict and Often we're not really good. Like I've let my barriers down and I've shared emotional intimacy and I've communicated with that person and they know my hopes and dreams. And I've practiced the weird goofy things that Spring and Andrew suggested and we're real friends. So how do we, how do we, how do we handle fights? What do we do when there's a rough patch? 
I mean, I want to talk about one thing before we get into the rough spots. And um, this is, I think, a really great way to help prevent. I mean, a lot of the things we're already talking about are helping prevent rough spots. But another thing that can really help prevent them is just doing a regular check-in with your the other person in this relationship with you and checking in about like, how are things feeling in the relationship? Like, how, how are you feeling about the frequency of our interactions about how, how our um, intimacy is working about how our communication is, you know, and if you do these little check-ins with people, and I mean, you can also like set them regularly. They could be once a month in maybe, um, non-romantic relationships, they might be a little more rare, maybe like every three months or something. But if you make the space or even just like occasionally check in with your other person on how they're feeling about things, it's going to allow the space to bring up some of the things that might be a sore point that might be a rough spot before it explodes, right? So there's often little points of, um, things that are rough that need to be like kind of worked out. And sometimes we can catch those before they explode if we create space for that conversation. But if we are not allowing that space, then what can happen is that little bit of a rough spot gets rougher and rougher and rougher until a big fight happens or until like um, someone just like pulls away and doesn't say why. So first I'm going to say, let's make space for more check-ins. Let's continually like check in with people in our lives about how they're feeling about our relationship, about asking them, like, what can I do better? What can I do to support you more effectively? What, what do you want to ask of me? Things like that are really great questions to help um, open up the space for a conversation like that. It's really important. I love the idea of a relationship check-in. Um, Spring and I have never had a big, like, out loud yelling fight in all of our years together. I I think that we have, like, emotional fights with each other where we both get kind of upset by something. And usually it's something innocuous that the other person did and it just hits us the wrong way. And then we have, like, emotional tension for a couple weeks until we... <laughs> you, I mean, does, that's pretty much... I'm going to say it's usually in times of extreme stress for yes. one or both of us, right? It's like when we're so stressed about stuff in our lives that we like, and we're trying, because we work a lot together, we do a lot of research projects together, and we have our podcast, and we're friends. And so there's like points where we just get so stressed about things we're working on that then it like starts to like make us feel like, ooh. <laughs> That is the right sound. That is the emotional stress (laughs) sound. Um, But I mean, I think it's important. Like we've gotten through all of those over the last couple of decades. Um, (laughs) um, And it's because even like even before we started practicing, you know, not practicing, even before we started recording the podcast, we have these skill sets. And. The one that I want, I, I, I want to talk about fighting better. That's what I call mm-hmm. it. Like, if you're going to fight with people, especially people that you care about, you have to learn how to fight better. So if you've done good communication and your emotions are still over the place, um, it's really learning how to have that fight. Um, and sometimes it's really hard for me. I, I get like most of the time I'm super upbeat and happy. But when I am upset about something, I am like cold and spiky. Uh, but 
it's whenever you're going into a fight with somebody and you know when you're going into a fight with somebody, it's about how you say it, your demeanor when you say it. Um, I love what Spring says. She calls it nonviolent communication with that other person, like really being vested in like, I love this person. I, I, I really want this person to be in my life, like keeping that at the forefront of your thought. And like, how do I talk to a person that I really respect and love, no matter how angry or upset you are. Um, and then along with it is trying not to blame, trying not to de- be defensive. Um, it's just it's a lot to have to do. So usually do a, do a little prep work before you go into it and be like, all right, I, I love spring. I'm really upset about this thing right now, but I got to keep like we're in it together and I know we're in it together uh, and keep that at the front and then practice that really empathetic, compassionate, calm communication. And this is not this is not my um framing of it. This is, that's like, you know, nonviolent communication, um, is a thing. So like, (laughs) thank you for crediting me with saying that, but, (laughs) um, definitely Google nonviolent communication. We'll also put some, um, resources in the show notes. And I mean, one of the main things that you're trying to do in nonviolent communication is like use your I statements and you want to identify um, what feelings you are having and what underlying needs you have that these feelings are kind of like sparking and like what needs aren't being met and then communicating that and making a request of the other person. Like, you know, um, you might say like, um, when I, um, don't get a response from a text from you for a while, like it makes me feel really anxious. And then I feel like, um, abandoned and I, you know, I've had a lot of people abandon me in my life. And so I understand that that's not what's happening here, but it would be, mean a lot to me that if you don't have time to respond to a text, you know, within several hours that you could just like thumbs up it or just tell me like, um, I'm going to get to this later, you know, so you can like go through instead of saying like, I hate that you don't respond to me quickly enough, you know, instead of saying something like that or saying when you don't respond to me quickly, it makes me really mad. And like, if you just kind of phrase it like that, then you're not getting anywhere. And so the nonviolent communication offers you a pathway for how to get through a little rough point and communicate about it in a way where the other person's going to be able to hear you and actually respond to you. And it's a, it's self-reflection. Like you've thought about what you're angry about. You've really thought about it and you have like more than I'm angry statements. You're like, I'm upset and here are the reasons why. And this is what I need at this point to get through it. Um, yeah. Another really important thing to do when you're in conflict with anybody, any kind of relationship, is to offer something called repair statements. Um, so it's easy to go on the offensive and just attack, attack, attack and make demands. But repair statements are statements that help diffuse the situation, that build accountability into what you're saying, and give the other person a space to actually talk and build some kind of uh, like being okay with the situation or building apology into the situation as well. Um, and you can Google repair statements. There's a whole bunch of research on them. There's, there's uh, like in, in marriage counseling, marriage therapy, marriages that are falling apart. It's one of the top things that people say, whenever you're fighting with somebody a lot, giving someone else inroads, like giving someone else a way to actually engage in that conversation with you is really important. Um, And the point isn't to win, right? If you're in conflict with somebody, the point is to resolve the conflict. Um, If it's always about winning, you're never going to have successful relationships, right? Because relationships aren't about winning and losing. It's about both of you building up each other and supporting each other. Um, So 
try to find ways to resolve conflict rather than try to be a winner. Um, cause winning is, is, is not good for any relationship. Um, and I want to talk about forgiveness too. Do you have anything else you want to say about fighting better spring? Um, I mean, mostly I really just really, really like this. Remind yourself over and over about why you care about this person and why it's important for you to actually communicate through the fight instead of trying to win or trying to show like I'm in the right here because that, that attitude is not creating a relationship that's creating a division and it's creating, you know, the opposite of something that will be ongoing. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't communicate your needs, but you should have the attitude of like, we're a team here, whether this is romantic or platonic relationship, we're a team and like, let's figure out a way through this together. And when you like take that approach in, like, you know, not I'm trying to win, not I'm trying to show that I'm right, but let's figure out how we can both be happy here. That attitude goes a long way and the other person can really see and feel that too. So and sometimes it's really hard. And sometimes you have to like say that in your head a thousand times <laughs> while you're talking to the person, but trying to keep yourself in that place while having these conversations. Yeah. And kind of underlying all of that as well, if you can assume goodwill of other people you're in relationships with, often we get upset or enter into fights because we assume someone did something to hurt us or to upset us. Most of the time people aren't trying to but, you know, like Spring and I said, when we co- are in conflict, usually it's because we both have pretty stress intense lives going on. Um, so practicing assuming goodwill. Um, and I do want to talk about apologies. Uh, there are good ways to apologize and there are real bad ways to apologize. If your apology includes a but or something about the other person, most of the time that apology is you trying to excuse yourself rather than ask somebody else to help like to forgive what had happened. Um, and the thing with apologies, right? Like after you've done something to hurt somebody else, you can never make it better, right? Like that it has already happened. The harm has already happened. So the point of your apology has to show the other person, I know this thing that I did hurt you, upset you, and I'm sorry that I did it. And this apology means that in the future, I'm going to try not to let that thing happen again. And that's the point of an apology is going to say, like, I realize I did something. I realize I hurt you. I'm very sorry that I did that thing. And in the future, because I'm apologizing now, I'm going to try to make sure I don't do that thing again. Or if I do this thing again, can you help me? Or can like, you know, if this process starts again, like you just apologies need to be, I did something and I'm sorry for that thing. And I'm going to try not to do that thing again. Right. And, and we're, re- it's so tempting. Like and it's all practice. It's all practice. Yeah. If you don't do it perfectly, like also ask for help. Also say to that other person, like, I, I really want to do better at this. Please help me. Like, please tell me when I'm doing something that's in the same vein. Right. Like, and, and asking for that support also can show that you really mean it so that you're inviting their support in that. And I think that's another way to show that you really mean that you don't want to do that thing again. Yeah. Apologies are hard. Society makes apologies even harder. Wanting to be right and wanting to win makes our apologize sad. Um, but practice, like really, really thoughtfully think about like what would make you feel better in that situation. Um, and when you're apologizing and, you know, good fights, like fighting better comes with apologies on the other side. And those apologies just need to be vested in 
I realized that I was part of the problem in this situation and I'm going to make some kind of change to try to prevent it from happening again. And if I fail, I'm going to need your help. So, so all right. Rough spots. We could <laughs> Every single one of our topics today could be an entire episode. I know. Um, that's what I said. Yeah. Like <laughs> revisiting the beginning. Um, all right. Anything else that we need to say? I, I hope the person who submitted this question, I hope that you have a lovely semester. I hope that you listen to this episode and you use some of the tips and tricks and tools that Spring and I talked about and that you're able to make some longer lasting relationships, longer lasting friendships. And I am 100% certain that if you do these things, if you are positive, if you are, if you are constructive, if you put time and energy in, if you build deeper relationships and talk about ideas instead of topical things, if you get into rough spots and you learn how to use nonviolent communication and then figure out what forgiveness actually is supposed to be. You do all those things. That, that's like a lifetime's worth of work. But one episode <laughs> in. Yeah. Any final thoughts oh, before we go? We have a whole lifetime to perfect all these things in our relationships. So Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, everybody, today. Um, if you have any questions about this episode or any questions about anything else, we'll talk about relationships or sex or sexual. We'll really talk to you about anything at all. Um, we'd love to hear from you. You can DM us on any of our social media. Uh, we're really active on Instagram. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Sex Rap. That's rap with a W. You can call us at 413-I-RAP-IT, and you can send us an email where the sex rap, that's W-R-A-P, at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just too af- Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.